Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Hey guys, Tristan here from the Extreme Common Sense Podcast. You may notice Ray's not here because Ray's a lazy bastard. Just kidding, I love Ray, but he's not here. So nonetheless, Dan and Nasa with Bad Wolf Gaming, we appreciate your podcast support, and we hope if you're listening locally, you'll check them out at 711 Chestnut Street in Berea. They've got a full arcade with some gambling things, sort of. So check out the arcade. Check out Dungeons & Dragons, Yu-Gi-Oh! Magic. They're a great place to buy your cards. Don't miss out. Get into Bad Wolf today. Tell them Extreme Common Sense sent you. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. How's it going, Ray? Uh, Well, frankly, I'm still recovering from the seasoned seaweed snack. Man, that was miserable. We should have tried it on air. Well... I mean, here it is. How would you describe this damn thing? So, hello, this is uh, Extreme Common Sense, and we're down at Dan's Bad Wolf studio, and he just stocked up on a bunch of um, snacks. So, you know, I'm an adventurous guy, so I bought this uh, Kim Nori seasoned seaweed snack. It's got 20 calories, and it's a little container, and they're... What would you say that looks like? It's that, little- that's the texture of, I would say, if you've ever done the Listerine breath yes, strip. That's it. Like if you, the one that melts that's on it. your tongue. That's exactly what it is, yeah, except but that bigger. It's, it's two inches by two inches, and it's green like seaweed. That looks like four inches to me. <laughs> and uh, I've said to Tristan, is it good for you? He goes, anything that tastes that bad has to be good for you. <laughs> I mean, you, it was just, you couldn't stomach it. No, I mean, I did eat the first little one and then oh, i said wow. no immediately and and you know like we work together i like you oh, can man. eat almost anything that's really fishy it tastes like it's like if somebody just uh, there was a dead fish floating and someone like freeze dried it and kind then like of. cut it in really small strips that's what it tastes like wow that's um oh wow that's interesting <laughs> it's really bad and so I, you're on your own if you see seasoned yeah. sne- uh, 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 seaweed snack just try it unless they want to sponsor and then we'll eat some every week <laughs> happily but until then that shit is bad that tastes really bad so other than that i'm okay you yeah man <laughs> other than the- should have gone for the chocolate he's got chocolate out there too look like ding-dongs and cupcakes yeah i look- go for the seaweed it does look a lot better well i was pretty happy uh. i was excited about the 20 calories because i started that stupid diet thing again like do i need to do another month and drop off some vacation well late, i mean so- think about it Tristan. at the, you know this little container you could eat shit 10 of them are only 200 calories Yes, literally ten containers. Go ahead, you but it's, to, you want me to buy them for you? Yeah, I tell just you a what, buck a piece, and, and just to know that I'm turning it down is a pretty big, big deal. I would say maybe you could like put it in with some <laughs> vegetables. It's it's um that's, that's interesting. Horrible. So come, I think come to Bad Wolf, but don't come for the seaweed snacks. Come for anything else. Dan liked it. Did, yeah, he said he did. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, well, and I like fish. I'm a I'm a seafood guy. But yeah, me too. I, I don't like it's it's no that's freeze dried bluegill. <laughs> yeah, I pass. <laughs> freeze dried bluegill. That tastes not good. And now the only ingredients. Let me read the ingredients. So again, back to the health. Oh no, no, uh, no glass. I apologize. So it's oh well, it's not just seaweed. It's organic seaweed. Oh, even better. Is that? Is it Atlantic Pacific and organic? What the fuck is organic? Isn't all, all right, so organic seaweed, organic sunflower oil, and sea salt. Certainly sounds like it's good. I mean, it's only three ingredients of disgusting. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll give you one guess at the state in which manufactures it. I'm going to, God, I'll guess New Jersey. No. Well, it could because we are, a, a, you know, an ocean state or down a short. No, it's California. Who oh, else okay. would? Who yeah, else would manufacture seaweed? That's a very California that is thing a very to produce. California yeah, thing. that's fair. So, do we have any? Oh. oh, who is it? Oh, should we try it, man? Sure. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. This is Lynette with the Medicare Department of Healthcare Benefits. Yeah. How are you today? That's. Are you a recording, Lynette? <laughs> she is. I'm calling because the updated plan for Medicare has been released, and it may give you some better access to things oh. like dental vision. Do they think I'm old? Over the uh, they must. They must think That's I'm old, insulting. That sucks. It is insulting. <laughs> I guess they, I did an update on my phone yesterday, but I think it's working. I, I'll tell you what I'll do. You I know, Aaron will, uh, pays us 
a lot of money for this type of quality content. Yeah. I'm proud of this. I I, um, <laughs> finally, I said I'd take one on the air, but yeah, those recordings, man, that's bizarre. Because yeah, if you notice, they'll say, hello, how are you? Just like you're, you know, it's, yeah. it's well recorded. So you go, hey, I'm okay. And then they just, just right. continue down with their shtick. And then I get the ones now that you answer the phone, hello, you know, you know, it's spam. But then there's like a five-second click where they're like rushing to that's get it. a live human that, to you. That's exactly but, right. Yeah. Or they've got so many phone calls going, they're trying to get back to the one they made. Yeah. I have fun. I'm like the one person out of a thousand that sometimes enjoys them because I have fun with people. Yes. The, the uh, car Some, warranty. Yeah. I, I got this guy all the way to <laughs> what car is it? And I told him a 1929 Model A or something. He's like, oh, oh I do not think we can do that, sir. Oh, no. Oh, wait, I can't do that. And can we've I? been canceled. I can't. <laughs> and, and you... So, you don't get the car warranty either. Do so we have a the topic? The worst of both worlds. <laughs> you know what? I wrote down a whole bunch of junk here, but um, I, I tell you what, I can read you my list of topics and you can pick what you want to talk about. Can I just say, this is a show where we literally, sometimes we chat the night before. We haven't spoken a word, so I'm sure it'll be reflective in the show, but yeah. hell, we'll, we'll have some fun. I will say this. It's a beautiful April day. Oh my gosh. In February. I'm yes. Which is nice. Last day of February. We can give it away. What the hell? Sure. It's the last day of February. Yeah, it's it'll nice. And tomorrow's uh, going to set records. For well, warmth. yesterday set a record. 74. Yesterday and tomorrow. And tomorrow's going to set a record. Yeah. It's a and little today, crazy. Everything's blooming. Now we'll get a freeze in the middle of March. It'll all be gone. You know, it'll cut spring. Yeah. I mean, this there's literally been no winter other than a couple of days at Christmas. Yeah, and you know what? And we tend to lean pretty left politically. Not pretty left, but certainly middle left. But man, I love global warming. <laughs> you know, screw winter. Like, if, if we get... Let's, I don't care about the polar ice caps. Let's just have no, it 70 that. in January. I get it. You use aris, nothing but aerosol cans. <laughs> Obviously being Shh. facetious, but yeah. Spray them in the air. All right, so a couple things I wrote down we could talk about. I was curious of your thoughts. The Ukrainian war with Russia, it is. it seems to be becoming a little bit political in that it seems like the far right tends to side a little bit more with Putin. And I wonder how the war would be if Trump was president, if we would be this supportive. Still trying to get this fucking seaweed taste out of it. It's gross, man. I can't even look at it. My my mouth just tastes like I ate a bowl of rotten fish. (laughs) I wonder how it does for your breath. It is exactly the polar opposite of the Listerine. Oh, my God. See, I... Your breath would just... In my mind, oh, I thought like a, a nice salty, you know, little crunch. But man, that oh, is pretty gross. Just, and looking Dan, at you it, like these. Uh, Ooh, we can yeah. give them to him on the way out. We, he's um, more than welcome. Yeah, to it is. We're a year in now, and it's getting politicized. I mean, Tucker Carlson politicized it from the jump. I mean, basically referring sure. to Putin as a genius and Zelensky as a criminal. Yeah, I mean, and he really hasn't backed off much from that. True. Which is, you know, it's fascinating because I mean, I think, and you know, you do kind of blindly assume that the government's doing the right thing and we're stopping this spread of i don't know what russian values communism totalitarianism sure and and again i think the the ultimate concern is a that if uh russia gets ukraine back then china will see that as a green light to get taiwan back been a hell of a slog for Russia, though. I don't think they thought a year out they'd still be fighting and having to fight this hard. Apparently, I, now, again, you see these things, and I'm not telling you that this was uh, double-sourced or anything, but I read somewhere, Trisden, that fully 40% of Russian soldiers have suffered death, have suffered a casualty, you, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, have well, died. In the news today, they said, or maybe it was yesterday, as you're hearing this, maybe a week or two ago, that they have <laughs> already surmounted more casualties than... Any war since World War II? Well, I was going to say, at the height of World War II, American casualties at the highest, like the brutal fighting in the Pacific, Battle of the Bulge, uh, was 8%. So if you're losing, still going back to the seaweed, how's it smell? It smells horrible. I don't really smell much, but Uh, the taste. You've got COVID. But um, so, you know, people in Russia have to be pissed. And if you're... You know, they keep saying, the right does keep saying, my sister will text it all the time, my right-wing sister, about how, you know, uh, Afghanistan, the terrible withdrawal from Afghanistan led to Putin going into, you know, but they never talk about how it's really been a slog for Putin. It's not like they rolled in and took key, Kiev, Which they thought, yeah. Which they thought they were going to do. Right. Now they're on the outskirts. They're, They're losing some of the battles. The Ukrainians are... 
you know, really holding their own, if not actually reclaiming territory. So if Certainly. you're the premier of China and you look and go, huh, wonder if Taiwan's going to get that same kind of support. You know, ta- Taiwan's got a pretty good defense. Now they're tiny compared to China. Sure. But, you know, it's not just roll in unless you want to just drop a nuke and who's going to do that. And even if you drop a nuke, you're not necessarily, you know, so I, I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot. It's a long slog there. But it certainly felt like, too, taking it back to Trump, that it felt like Trump was pretty darn pro-Putin. So, I mean, is he enabling this war the way that a a Joe Biden administration has? Or is it, we don't care, let him have it. We we want them to take whatever. Oh, was that your question? Yeah, ultimately. Of course, the right-wingers will tell you if Trump were in, he was such a a powerful guy that Putin would have never never done anything. You know, but that's an interesting question. If he would have rolled into Ukraine, yeah, just let him have it. Very possibly. Yeah. Who, you know. So pretty fascinating. I just thought it was. But I do know Uncle Joe got some loud shout outs out of his trip over there. And what a pair of balls to go there. Man, the right? I've got that a, on the list, of too. Of war, yeah. Yeah, that, that that's not probably an easy thing to coordinate a U.S. president going by train. Ten-hour train ride. Poland. And then to Biden's credit. I mean, again, you have to give credit where it's due. We certainly give some to Trump when it's due. That, like you said, that takes a lot of balls. That's not the safest thing for him to do, even no. as cautious as, cautiously as I'm sure that was done. Uh, no American president has done anything like that, like since World War One or yeah, something. I, mean, I read pretty ballsy. So, man, good for him. Uh, as a Democrat, you certainly have to be proud of that. I mean, I know I think you're seeing the the Fox News polarization of well, Donald Trump went to Ohio in America, and we yeah. should focus only on you know in, in the lower 48 and. So I mean, I don't know. What do you what do you think of that argument that he should be more focused on Ah I think you should give him credit even if it's begrudging. That was a pretty ballsy move in the middle of a war to to be hand in hand with Zelensky in the middle of the Ukrainian capital. I mean that's that's a ballsy I so move. Too, man. I don't, I don't I don't know how you can't square it that way. I mean I think you're grasping for straws if you're picking on him for it. Well it does. It and it feels like one of those situations where you're just you're you know, you're that you're the thirty percent closest to the base of Republicans that's never going to find anything positive exactly. to say. So you're right. not anywhere near somebody that can just think objectively and say, yeah, that was pretty ballsy. Right. I don't what, like his policy, but... And yeah. that's what they used to say about hard-left Democrats and Trump, that he could cure cancer, and they'd say, yeah, but he didn't cure heart disease. And, you know, I'm sure <laughs> to, some de- to some degree all of that is true, but at some point you have to give some credit, you know? I mean... I, it's just, and they didn't. They found no reason. I, it was your friend Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, who uh, uh, just proves how much he can't stand America, that he's overseas on, it was President's Day, and he's standing with somebody else and we have problems here. Okay. At that point, you know, no one takes you seriously because you're just, right. yeah. Yeah, you're completely always going to find something else yeah. to, you know, you're always going to have whataboutism. Well, what about this? What about that? Yeah. Like, we can, like, listen, we can house veterans and give poor people food stamps at the same time. We don't have to choose. Right. So people don't like to think we can walk and chew gum, but right. we very much can. Now, to the optic of Ohio and Biden, I guess, having not made a trip yet, I would say, I mean, what, there was was there casualties in that? I don't. Uh, not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge no. either. And again, pretty much an EPA. Some animals, perhaps. And disaster. I don't, I, I don't mean to say that in jest. I think maybe some dogs and such. But uh, sure. no, certainly an EPA disaster. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I guess we did have EPA boots on the ground within hours of mm-hmm. that happening. So it's not like, you know, we weren't taking it seriously. Now, my thought, just as, again, a political hobbyist, it's Ohio. So don't you probably just have to go because it's kind of considered still a battleground state and just make well, an appearance? Well, it's funny, Tristan. That particular county, and I can't tell you what it is, but that particular county is a heavily red county. It's on the eastern part of Ohio near the Pennsylvania border. Heavily red. And and if the consideration were made that, you know, these are people who are not going to vote for me, then that's bullshit. I would call Joe Biden out on that or call the administration out on that and say, come on, you can't make that calculation. These are people. Who gives a shit how they voted? They need help. Well, and I, and I, and I, I'm not saying if that calculation was made, but there's some that infer that it was. You better throw that out because you're just like smelling it. I just making burped faces. some oh, of this. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Terrible aftertaste. This no nori. Lord have mercy. This is bad. Yeah, I'm going to set it over here. See what happens when you eat on the air. <laughs> we we didn't even eat it on the air. It was just, just prior. wonder if they'll come up with impossible seafood. <laughs> oh, fake Impossible seafood. seaweed. Yeah, seaweed. Yeah, seaweed. Nice. Impossible seaweed. <laughs> but yeah, and, and uh, I, you know, and again, I, I don't feel like the 
the situation was neglected by the administration. I mean, Buttigieg, who's you know a top guy, was there. Again, people have been there since it happened. So, did you see SNL? I did. Pete Butt. Pete Butt. Pete Butt. Now that was good, but how good was the fucking Walton? Oh man! If you have, and for you guys that don't know what we're talking about, there's a new—not even new. I guess he's a couple years in now. I think his name is James Austin. Wolf. James Austin Green. James no, Austin Green. Johnson. Johnson. James Thank Austin you. Johnson. Austin Green was nine oh two one oh. An incredible. Uh, oh, uh, uh, impression. Impre- yes, and extremely talented. It, you know, yeah. whether you love or hate Trump. Uh, Man, his Donald it's funny, Trump right? Is, right, and, and if so, somebody were doing Biden, I would say just as funny. If it's I mean, good, it's not, yes. it has nothing if, to do with the good. politics. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree, but man, yes. He so he did a uh, the basketball player Bill Walton, Bill Walton and he did uh, Trump, and was well, that, it was Trump to open the show called right. opening. He was in Palestine, Palestine, <laughs> a terrible name, Palestine, just a terrible name. But then Walton, if you have any familiarity at all with the NBA, Bill Walton has this reputation, and people love him or hate him. I love him. I like him I, too. I love to listen to him now. Yeah. As somebody said to me, I like listening to him, but by three games, I don't know if I'd want to hurt. Okay, that's fair. But if you don't know what we're talking about, we'll explain. If you do, you'll be right with us. Walton will talk about anything other than the game. And in the middle of it, he'll go, you know, dunk by Reynolds, and then he'll go right back to the ancient Greeks used to do so-and-so, right? So this guy parodied that, and I thought it was a really cool setup. He had him seeing the game. So basically, it was it was goofing on Walton because he's watching this game in the future, but he right. it's what Walton does. It's like in the middle of this long harangue, he's just oh, dunk by LeBron and back to the game. I mean, it's, it's oh. it was a great characterization. And Raymond said that my son said he thinks that that you'll see that again because they test those characters. Sure. And um, you remember Baby Yoda? He did like five oh, or yeah. six. Baby Yoda was great. Baby Yoda was. And some funny. characters come out and they bomb, and you never see him again. Right. You know. Definitely. And they say it's funny that some of those things will kill in dress rehearsal and then be uh, horrible oh, live. for the and audience. Finally, oh, yeah. and, and well, they have an audience for dress. Okay. So they actually bring okay. in two audiences. But it, So it's even just the changing of the audience sometimes will take something either from garbage and it's hilarious or vice versa. It'll kill in dress and then we'll uh, be hilarious or uh, we'll stink in I think life, one of so. the best ever was Adam Sandler's Opera Man. I'm a big that fan was, of the opera man. Great. Yeah, yeah, that was Mr. Douchebag. Yeah, that was a great one because then they brought him back numerous times. Yeah. Sandler had some great characters on SNL. Yes, he did. It was just doing an SNL show. What the hell? Patty had never seen um, the Farley, um, Patrick Swayze, Chippendale. Oh, so God. I YouTubed it the other day. She was literally laughing out loud. How had she never seen that? I, she it's just such a classic. seen it, man. Yeah, it's such a classic. And I heard someone say, whether it was Farley himself or I read somewhere that Farley's mom called him. Only time she ever contacted her son about his career and said, Christopher, please don't ever do that again. Really? Yeah. I've yeah. never heard that. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, I've read... He's just out there moving the crack oh. of his ass. Is hanging out. <laughs> I've heard so many mixed um, editorials on that because so many people say that he was really just playing into the fat guy thing. And then a lot of people said, well, he really was pretty damn athletic exactly and doing a lot said. of dancing. That's exactly what Patty said. Patty was so, like, oh, my God, look at the way he moves. Right. So, I mean, he down, he flips, he's, you know, yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of mix. Like, reading Farley's book, it's, like, really mixed on how people took that because some people were furious. Like, they're just fat shaming or, you know, kind of this of this attitude. But then there was a lot of people that said, look, there was a talented freaking thing he was doing. It wasn't like any fat guy is just going to roll out there and make that skit. How was his book? What was What's it called? Do you remember? Oh, gosh. It's been a few years since I read it. But, it had um, to have been a few years since it was written. Life written of Chris Farley. I, it wasn't, before or after his death? Well after. Oh, well yeah. after. Okay. Yeah, but it, but it was pretty good. Um, I'll find and give it to you off air. I'd love to read it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I'll, if I've still got it, which I probably do, I can just bring it and loan it to you. I know he, you know, he, I mean, at the end of the day, he was a tragic character. He was dead at 33, right? Yeah. Drug use. I saw him trizzing on Bill Maher's show back the old Politically Incorrect before 9-11, because he died in 96 or 7, I think. Yeah, there you go. And honest to goodness, it was about six months before his death, and he was just sweating. He had gotten really big, yeah. and he was just sweating like a pig. And, you know, Mar was like, Chris, you okay? And I'm thinking to myself, man, this dude's got to be on something. Yeah. he's He, he was, um, it was rough, but he was, gosh, he was funny. Well, you know, there's so many parallels to Matthew Perry's book, which is recent that I just read, but, man, Farley just spent, an exorbitant amount of time in treatment. Like he was always in a treatment center. Like if he wasn't doing a movie or doing SNL, like he had went 
drug treatment. Drug treatment. Yeah, like thirty or forty times he was in some like just constantly trying to you know get better. And yeah, really tragic. Very little about Matthew Perry's story. I wasn't a fan of Friends, but I saw him on with Mar. I mean, I'm sure in this book he talked about breaking in to senior citizen places, looking for knowing that seniors have a lot of drugs, looking for fucking drugs in their bathrooms and stuff. The story was he would go to open houses. So like every yeah, Saturday or whatever, right. he that's would what go to was. open houses, which, you know, people showing homes. Right. And, you know, nobody thinks this fucking guy from Friends is right. going to go steal stuff. But he would go up and he would be in medicine cabinets. Yeah. Trying to find pills. I mean, that really is a sickness, oh, man. Unbelievable. I mean, the which stuff character that he was he says, in Friends? He was Chandler. Chandler. Right. So, yeah. hey, that's Chandler. And, and yeah. he's up in the bathroom <laughs> rooting through your meds. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's insane. It's really, yeah, it's, man, it's it, it's a sad story. And I mean, those of us who've dealt with addiction in our families or know people, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. Like just what these people go through and, you know, and then again, I think the rest of us are kind of trying to determine like how much of this is a disease and how much of this you're just an asshole, yeah. which was probably politically un, incorrect to say. But I mean, I think everybody roots for those people when it's in somebody else's family. And then when it's in your family and you've seen it, you just you're so, like, I don't know, man. How Get, do you feel? Do you think alcoholism is a disease? I think it. it it's easy to say either way because I think if you're not an alcoholic, it's easy to say uh, it just doesn't affect me like that, so I'm fine. But I think, yeah, alcohol or anything really probably mixed with severe trauma, alcohol trauma, your PTSD from the military. Yeah, man, I think you definitely become dependent, and I think that would make it a disease. Okay. So now I don't – I mean, again, we all see people that we just – see making bad decisions and it breaks our heart and we just want to just shake them and you feel like they could do better and you know but you know until you've walked in somebody's shoes you know no, so, very true. and i've learned that over time like true. man just because my experience is one thing does not mean that somebody else's experience my only counter and it's not really a counter because i agree with everything you just said is i think that there are addictive personality type maybe the world breaks into two types of people addictive personality types non-addictive i've never been addicted to anything Good or bad. Never got addicted to jogging or going to the gym and working out or learning how to play the guitar. But I also never got addicted to alcohol or drugs or I guess the one caveat would be masturbation. I can't stop that. <laughs> that could be an addiction. Which but would be that's... fine if you wouldn't do it during the show. <laughs> yes, right. yes, yeah. You could wait till the show's over. fine, Buzz, but not at the dinner table. <laughs> um, but no, on a serious note, and, and, and it may come down to that. I mean, I look at myself and um, I drank a lot throughout my life, but especially in 14, 15, 16, looking back, and this would be something I'd talk to an analyst about, lost my brother-in-law in April of 2014, who was a brother, not a brother-in-law, best friend I'll ever have, so, so on and so forth. And I worked in a place where there was a bar under roof, right? So it was very easy. And Tristan, I'm telling you, I drank a shitload, enough to float a battleship, as they say. And then in 2017, I was diagnosed with atrial fibrillation. One of the causes is overindulgence in alcohol. And I drink almost nothing now. And I sort of weaned myself and I drank less. And even my cardiologist has said, look, our intent is not to never have you drink again. I like a glass of bourbon. I'd like you to be able to do it. You just don't have five. But I almost drink nothing now just because I've I've gone to that place. So, yeah. you know, it's hard for me to think that it's just an addiction, but but it could just be your personality type. Some people can get addicted to a lot of things, and some people are never going to addicted to anything. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. You know, I had a, I'll always remember our buddy Matt Yeager, who you work with and we used to work with. Uh, you know, I was sitting in on, with him on the morning show one day when he was hosting uh, on the Coyote, and uh, we were talking about alcohol. And I, you know, I don't know what insight he had into my personality at that time. And we were just talking about drinking. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, which at this time I was 26 years old, much younger than now. And I was like, yeah, you know, I just, I'd hate to, you know, ever be an alcoholic. You know, I try to moderate and, you know, watch what I'm doing or whatever. And he was like, oh, you, you won't ever be an alcoholic. You don't have that personality. Oh, there you go. And he just told me, and I thought, as a matter of fact, like, oh, cool. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, give me a drink. That's a load Let's off. Let's go to the bar and talk about it. Hell, I will go now and begin to drink all the time. But And I will say, like, even knowing that I've got that in my family, like, I have always been, like, kind of, now, I, I typically only drink on weekends or special occasions. So, you know, if, like, if my best friend's in town or if, you know, if you and I were going to sit down at a bar and have a chat, like, you know, I'd probably drink on a Wednesday. But under normal circumstances, I'll have a yeah. few Saturday, Sunday, and that's right. pretty much what I'll do. But, right. But, 
Yeah, I don't know, man. I definitely no, man. I was drinking every day. <clears throat> well, was, a lot of people I was do. drinking every day. Patty used to uh, have a little inside the family joke. Buzzy fell asleep with the glass, you know, resting on his chest in bed, and she'd take it out of my hand. I, I drank much more than I should have. Now, was I an alcoholic? I guess by any definition, strict definition, I was. Well, the definition to me, I think, or not just me, but is. Did you do it because you liked it or did you need it to function? I think that's the difference. I did it because I liked it. Yeah, yeah. See, I like alcohol too and I drink it a lot, but I don't have to have two glasses before I can go talk, like before I have to go do this podcast or right. anything like that. Or I don't need it to sleep. So, so you never smoked weed, right? Yeah, I've tried it uh, five or six never, times, handful of times. Yeah. See, one of the, and that, you know, I'm a child of the 70s. So there was a phase <laughs> in my life where I smoked a lot of pot. And um, or had a friend that did. I can't remember what was his name, but uh, it rhymed with mine. Oddly, <laughs> ironically, uh, it may have been the same. But <laughs> what happened to me is it would get me uh, not paranoid. People talk about paranoia, but very anxious and very introspective, and that still happens if I occasionally do it. Now, if I'm maybe going to see Dead and Company, and 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 you got something to do, it's it's different. But um, it's um, it, it's not a fun feeling to, and I've talked to people that have had this happen, and I've talked to people who have never had it happen. But you sort of go inside your own head, and you start thinking about things that aren't going so well, and that compounds itself. And who needs that? Now, bourbon never did that. Beer is beer, whatever. But bourbon never did that to me. It was always fun. Um, you know, I'm sure I got a little more rude and a little more loud, but um, <laughs> how's that possible? But it was exactly. <laughs> but it was. I'll tell you something funny about that. But it was. Um, I always enjoyed that buzz. Weed sometimes would um, uh, not treat me so well. It was. Uh, it was a very again not paranoia, just an anxiousness that would just build on itself. And it that's was fascinating. Miserable. Oh, miserable. Because you always hear that it's kind of the opposite, right? Like people use it for well, like, you hear that, that type but of if stress. you look at the science of it, your heart rate increases, your blood pressure increases. When uh, Matt says that all the time, who is still, you know, we never know who's listening to our show, and if we offend people, so be it. But we try to be pretty honest. You know, Matt still is a guy in the seventies. He's still, I don't say he gets high every day, but he gets high a lot. Might be every day. But he's also very responsible if that's not an oxymoron, and he knows about it. And right. he, he'll often say, people think you're mellowing yourself out, but your heart rate increases, your blood pressure increases from cannabis. So it does kind of cause or can cause an anxiousness. Yeah, and I've often thought, that, which is that's fascinating, but I've thought... You know, just because, you know, alcohol's not very good for you, no. that I would replace no. the weekend alcohol maybe with, uh, you know, once uh, the edibles are legal in Kentucky, which they probably will be at some point. But, you know, I don't know. I, I've considered, like, you know, if I could do like a half an edible on a Saturday, then you're not intaking, you know, 600 calories of bourbon. So I think that's the way Bill a- Mars lived his life. And it seems to have worked out pretty well for yeah. him. I yeah. don't know that he drinks anymore, but he certainly uses cannabis. Right. So, you know? yeah. And I, and I guess there's definitely two schools of thought and probably different brains, man. That's probably going to affect. You yeah, know, I think so. Different. Different. Probably what I'm saying about the personalities, addictive, non-addictive. Yeah. I mean, were you ever addicted to any quote unquote good things? Working out, jogging. Yeah, yeah for sure, uh, man. Guitar, uh, I, you know. I do get and I'm very and I think I get this from my dad, but I mean, I, I've never been addicted to anything like my dad is addicted to guitar yeah. like it's six seven hours every day uh, you know and he's crazy. 60 plus years old but i do get really really into stuff so like you know when i start jogging like i'm really into it so like okay. i'll go hard for six months but now if something happens then i'll switch up to something else but but yeah man i definitely do get into stuff like that i would say the, the closest thing i'm addicted to at the moment is food like right. it's you know i i've said this before but I will probably spend the rest of my life always wanting to drop 20 pounds. I'll never right. be, you know, you right. never just hit that point. And so, it, and it is, yeah. you know, it's always tough if, you know, we were, we left out of here a couple of weekends ago and uh, Dan had some pizza and you were like, that's right. It's tough to not to say no to pizza. Like, you know, if he'd had a joint, I'd have said, nah, I'm good. If he'd had a beer, I could have walked out, but I can't. That's funny, Trey. It's hard to walk away. But again, you That'd that, be a good book title. Hard to say no to pizza. <laughs> hard to say no to pizza. And it's such a blurry line, right? Because you have to eat to survive. That's so right. That's all right. your instincts well, are eat the food. Absolutely right. So you can give up drinking cold turkey, which I didn't give it up cold turkey, sure. but damn close. You can certainly give up smoking, give up nicotine cold turkey, you can give up caffeine cold 
cold turkey. Yeah. But you can't give up food cold turkey because you have to have it. You, 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 exactly. You're going to die yeah. without it. You're not going to die without the other things. It may just be very difficult. Yeah. And that is the problem with food. There's no doubt about it. And the, let's be honest, and the uh, availability, the ubiquitousness mm, go. of shit food. Oh, God, especially in America. It's just everywhere. And you can get into good habits and better habits. And, you know, and I've worked on that. And and I think the hardest thing about that is just being married. Because if I'm like, man, I'm just going to eat some baked chicken and broccoli tonight. Right. And then your wife's like, I don't know. I really want to go try this Mexican restaurant. And, mm-hmm. and what are you going to say? Okay, let's go. I'll do shots. You know, you're just going <laughs> to do it. You're not going to just pass up. And the problem with my life is I have three free restaurants that I can eat at anytime I want. <laughs> and drink. They all have drinks. So it's so tough to just say, you know, I'll just pass on the, the free Mexican this week. Let's just not do that. Like, it goes against everything that I'm rooted in as a, a child that grew up very poor. Yeah, sure. So that that's the thing, too, man. Just having the availability of free good food all the freaking time. Well, Patty's folks ate a lot of red meat and specifically steak. And I, <coughs> excuse me, I came to realize that. You know, that was kind of a way to keep score in the 50s when they came of age. and Oh, 100%. He started to make a little bit of money. You know, you didn't eat steak when you were a kid or maybe once a month. But, you know, yeah. steak was it was like driving a Cadillac. You know, look yeah. at me. I'm eating steak. So, you know, there's that. But the other thing I thought of from SNL was when Colin Joe said uh, a report of uh, the United States has shown that New Jersey has the second worst roads in the nation. The first worst roads are any roads that lead into New Jersey. <laughs> I got that. That was pretty See, good. No, I can laugh at that. That's funny. And that somewhat true. Well, Jersey's funny because the Garden State Parkway is a beautiful road. Now, it's a road that they uh, limit tractor trailers on. It's still tolled. Uh, you know, you pay a toll. It's um, a really nice road. The Jersey Turnpike is just a death trap. It's got to be the most dangerous road <laughs> in, in the country because every wow. tractor trailer's on there. Yeah. I don't think they maintain a thing. Potholes the size of a fucking basket or, you know, wow. a, a, a sled. And Jesus. Yeah, those are two different roads. Well, and the funny thing, too, like, you know, we, we live, you went from a place that probably got most of the northeastern shit. To, you know, one of the states, Kentucky, that certainly gets a lot of the hillbilly shit. Well, it's funny. So so my take on that, Trizen, is every place gets typified by its worst qualities. So New Jersey is, to people who haven't been or have been once, it's a shithole. For the people that fly into Newark, and it's seven miles to Manhattan. So you fly into Newark, you back in the day take a cab, now you Uber into Manhattan, and all you see is that seven-mile stretch in New Jersey. It is the asshole of the world. It's the refineries. It looks like shit. It's the opening of Sopranos. Yeah. When Tony drives through the meadows, the swamps. It's just fucking awful. Yeah. Nobody. And so they go, ah, that state's a shithole. So that's (laughs) what typifies Jersey. And there's spots that are beautiful. And it's, you know, like any place, good and bad. Now come to Kentucky and it gets typified by what? Eastern Kentucky, where everybody's uneducated and passing the trailer parks and and lives in trailer parks. If you take, if you start in Louisville and drive east and go down through um, Frankfurt and Midway and, and, and Woodford County and into Lexington and down to Richmond, that is a very affluent stretch, and not Absolutely. even by Kentucky standards, by U.S. standards. But nobody looks at that central, the, the, really the bluegrass region. Sure. Everybody looks at Kentucky as eastern Kentucky. Yeah. It gets typified. You know, Tommy used to tell a story, my brother, about teaching kids in Verona High School who did like a habitat um, and would come to Kentucky. But when he mentioned that his brother was living in Kentucky, they chuckle. Like, oh, wow, what's he, a redneck? You know, just complete ignorance. Yeah. Just total fucking ignorance. Similar always happened to me in California. Every time I would go visit Bay Area, people, oh, Kentucky, oh, my God. Like, So, you know, people certainly have those completely unfair biases. But, again, it shows how untraveled and uneducated they are. You expect a high schooler in New Jersey to say that because he's probably not traveled outside of his, you know, his hometown. You know what I, a conclusion I came to, and it took me years, Tristan, to, to figure this out. Um, and, and I don't know that I figured it out. It's just my observation. But uh, the let's just be politically incorrect. Don't I, I apologize for my promise I won't use the N-word, but short of that. Please, thank you. Okay. Um, basically, the Guidos, the Jersey Shore people, <laughs> the Jersey Shore types in New Jersey are the rednecks of Appalachia. They're the same people. There's not a lot of education. They're very narrow in their focus. Everything's about their own existence. It's And I never d- 
did much with those guys. My friends weren't, you know, Arthur Tolucci and, <laughs> and, and, you know, all those guys. Hey. I, right, right. The font. The, I always thought those guys were kind of fucking, frankly, stupid and boring. Um, sure. And, and as you would find some people here. So, I, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's idiots everywhere and there's bright people everywhere. And that's, that's the bottom line. Yeah. And it is fascinating how many people don't realize that just because of be it media or social media. Sure. Or, depictions. Know, depictions. There depictions. you go. Now, the only other caveat that I would add is this, Tristan. And this may be unfair, too. But again, I lived 28 years in Jersey and I'm here 30 plus now. So I, I get to talk about this with, I think, some bit of authority. Here's what I would say is a difference. So it has nothing to do with the intelligent people. Plenty, plenty of intelligent people in Kentucky, just like there's plenty of intelligent people in New Jersey. It's not about the people with high intellects, medium intellects. You know what one possible difference is? If you're a moron without a lot going for you in a place like Jersey, New York, sort of the flow of the society pulls you along a little bit. And this is where I might offend somebody. My observation in Kentucky they might let you just be like if you're just living in a trailer by yourself and you ain't doing anything nobody's really going to bother you and they're going to kind of so so in a certain way it's not about the people at the high end of the gene pool it's about the lower end where you just in jersey new york they're going to kind of pull you along the 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 pace of it is sort of going to California is yeah. going to pull you a little bit. We're here in middle America. Just uh, leave him alone. Let him do his thing. Yeah. So and let me exemplify that. Does that make to, any sense? To make up a word. Yeah. And so to me, yeah, if you're in the middle of a rural county in Kentucky, you could have a, you know, Confederate flags all over your house and, you know, white pride. And you're probably people are just going to drive past that and go, OK. Right. Whereas probably <clears throat> I would assume somewhere like New Jersey. There's an ethnic enough mix that somebody's not going to be all right with that. Yeah. You're going to have somebody that's going to say, no, we can't have that here. Well, in More fact, a, a real life example, I was reading about, you know, DeSantis and uh, trying to, uh, I wouldn't say eliminate, but trying to um, mold how they teach race, critical race, et cetera, cut it back, uh, limit it, you know, started. Phil Murphy, who's the governor of New Jersey, wants to increase CRT, wants to put more focus on black history, wants to make sure white kids know exactly what the history was. So that's a difference. That's, that's, that's a societal difference. That's fascinating. Right. Yeah. And I think, so. again, I, in my argument with all that, as we discussed a week or so ago, it's just let it be age appropriate. We, yeah, don't, we shouldn't create a situation where we just pretend shit didn't happen. But, but to be fair, that's not to say in any way there's not people in New Jersey who are saying, you know, I was going to do a southern accent, which maybe when you get down to KMA. <laughs> but, you know, hey, you guys, what are you doing there, Murphy? You don't need to be taught. You know, you don't need to be teaching that shit to our kids. There are. There's plenty of people in Jersey sure. like that. My brother still golfs with a lot of them. These 70s guys who are who are now 60 and 65 and they've done quite well and they're all white and they have all their white friends, they have no use for it. Sure. It's not just a middle America thing, and which Definitely. is what you always say. You know, anywhere you go, you're going to find me. Mar talks about it. Yeah. Birmingham, Alabama is very progressive. Now, it may not be the rest of Alabama, but Birmingham is. Nashville, Tennessee, you know? Very true. Not So anywhere you go, you're going to find pockets of, you know, progressivism. Yeah, and so and while we're on the on the heels of some race and maybe being um, not politically correct, you you want to talk about uh, racist Dilbert? Oh yeah, man, I, uh, Adams, Scott Adams, Scott is Adams. that it? Yeah, I, I, well, tell me what you know because I it's hard to depict. He basically said white people need to disassociate themselves from black people. That essentially was it, and I guess that was based on a poll that showed black people agreed with the comment. It's not okay to be white by around 50%. Like around 50% of black people polled in a Rasmussen poll said they agreed that it is not okay to be white. Okay. And so he was taking issue, I guess, with that. Now, should I have spent an hour researching this a little better? Yes, but I didn't. So from what I saw, that's what he was basically saying. Well, if they don't like me, I don't like them, right? Was essentially kind of how he looked at it. And yeah. if they don't like white people, if they don't think it's okay to exist as a white person, I don't need to be around black people. But again, I think to me, you're you're taking a, a poll. Now, maybe there's some bias. I'm sure there's some bias that everybody has that they're not going to come and talk about that they may admit to on a poll. But look, we're probably around black folks every day or every day or two. Like I don't I don't know that that's a very common 
theme right among most black folks that they think it's not okay to exist as a white person. <laughs> Darn it. All right, now I've lost my train of thought. Racist no, Dilbert. I, I thought, yeah, I thought there was something more he said too, though, that he said um, maybe it's time to end set-asides, that set-asides only um, cause friction. So if you truly want equality, then you got to just be equal. And, you know, and we had that conversation last week. Do you want to do away with history? Do you want to pretend things didn't happen? But now it is 2023, 21st century. Is it time to just say, okay, everybody's going to treat it equally. But you know what, Tristan? It may be that you're just never going to treat everybody equally. Because as long as humans are humans, they're going to bring their biases and their stereotypes. And that's almost impossible to combat. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think we again we are getting to the point where it, you know you like to think as a society we're much more open to treating everybody equally than you know we were twenty, thirty, forty years ago. So again, I, I think the problem is is that Republicans want to pretend there's no such thing as racism, and Democrats want to overcompensate for everything. Yeah, I think that's right. And so there just needs to be a common sense middle ground where Republicans can admit, okay, slavery was pretty goddamn bad, and Things that just happened 40 and 50 years ago where, you know, folks were being killed and hung and lynched, uh, you know, that does still have reverberations Bart, today. They said you was hung and they was right, baby. <laughs> um, so, but yes, there's there's a center there that most people don't sure, want to find. But I've been pretty open about my own life, which is and I've repeated this, but I, to me, it bears repeating. I was raised 35, maybe 40 miles from Manhattan, New York, one of the most integrated places on the planet, literally. And I would say the most integrated place in in, in the United States for sure. I, I think every I think every fucking language or 90% or of the world's languages are spoken in some form or fashion in New York. And I was raised, call it 40 miles. From New York City in a 100% white town, Tristan. And I'm not talking about 1960 when I was born. I'm talking about February 28, 2023. It's still 100% white town. Crazy. So that did that happen? My rhetorical question is, did that happen by accident or by design? Design. Of course. Yeah. So... Yes, I have prejudice. Yes, I am biased. Another way to say that is racist. I'll take bias and prejudice because it's not as vicious a word as racist. But am I a racist? Of course I am. Look at how I was raised, meaning that I judge on skin color. So knowing that, all I can do is attempt to push that down, fight it, and meet my black brother with an equal with equality and say, hey, what's happening in your world? Here's what's happening in mine. See what kind of a person he is. While keeping in the back of my mind, you can't judge. You got to fight every fiber of your being because you were raised in a way to think they are other. Sure. They were. They are other. They are not part of Pumpkin Plains white society. They are other. Now, for people who don't take that leap, they remain other. And there's a That's lot of true. that. And I, I just love that. And I, I you know, I always think I, I can't credit you enough, I think, because most people, it's very hard for folks to admit their biases and admit, hey, I was raised in a certain way that makes me think a certain way. Most people, Absolutely. I just think, aren't that introspective. They just think, eat, sleep, sex, work, you know, and right. they just go. So, I mean, yes, to admit, look, you, we all certainly have these types of biases. And you know what, Tristan, that's probably where that term that's so overused and abused of woke comes from I think black folks would hear something like this assuming I'm not full of shit which I hope I'm not and they would say oh he's kind of woke he sort of gets it right that it was it was a it, negative it, now it, it, I'm sorry it was a positive now it's become a negative yeah it's almost yes it's better to admit your own biases than to pretend you'd have none Right. To I say, think at so. least I'm open to I think show so. me where I'm wrong. Right. Like, you know, and let's work on it. Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation. Sure. Because if I had this conversation with an uh, uh, African-American individual, I think they would say, oh, OK, I never really I, I get that. Like, because I, I always frame it in the context of New York, because everybody knows what New York is. Go in there. You and I are minority. It's It's, a, it's an amazing place. And again, I'm 40 miles in a 100 percent white town. I mean, that's fucked up. It's crazy. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah. So, but again, good on you for being able to, to say that. And I think more people do. And to the point of our Republican friends, sometimes 
it's not very safe to come out and have that conversation and say, look, I do have some prejudices that I need to work on. And I would like to discuss that with folks that don't look like me and figure out right. how I can be better and right. how I'm saying the wrong thing. Because, man, I see a lot of media where, you know, you, you get a little of that content and the and the people in that content are just saying, oh, no, we're not talking about that with you. There's it's you know, it. I'm always pro good conversation for people trying to improve. You know, why not? Why yeah. should you not want people to figure it out and improve? I go. Because when you shut that door and say, oh, you're a racist asshole, we have no room for you, then nothing gets better. That's right. right? You know, well, they hate me, so I hate them back. And that's or whatever. So back to Dilbert, it's almost a little bit of that. Yeah. It's kind of the approach that he took. Now, he's a very successful 65-year-old man who has some FU money. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know why I said FU. We he's got Dilbert money. Over. Yeah, he's got <laughs> Dilbert money. But I still go back to Bill Bradley when he was uh, the, the uh, New Jersey senator uh, running for president in 1988. And he asked that question. I never forgotten it. When's the last time you had a conversation about race with someone from another race? Yeah. A beautiful question. I, I bet you I've had less than five in my life. Really? Nate Haskins come to mind, comes to mind. Dave Townsend, who was our guest here. Yeah. No, I haven't had very many lengthy, in-depth racial conversations with black guys or women. A, a, yeah, a handful in my life. I would love more. I just, yeah. you know, I don't have a lot of exposure, you know. Well, I have exposure, but I don't have a lot. I don't, I don't, I don't. There's not a lot of ends to say, let's talk about you being black and me being white. It's yeah. very rare that. It's hard to do. Right? Yeah, I don't there's know. not an easy segue into, hey, man, My let's talk about our races. My list of friends is not long and right. You're not really going to choose that conversation. Yeah, and if you're having a drink with a buddy at a bar, it's rare that you're going to, you know. Yeah. I always think there's a, a girl that I used to work with who was a lesbian, and we had to, we just had the, she had the misfortune, and I had the fortune to have her give me a ride to Winchester one day for a so broadcast. So you were talking. And and I was very curious about her lifestyle. And I just think, and I think maybe by the end of it, like it was kind of starting to get that eye roll thing. Yeah. But again, if you know, if you don't have these conversations, how are you ever going to educate people who don't understand? And how are we ever going to have, you know, I mean, sometimes those conversations can be uncomfortable. And sometimes there's dumb white guys that they don't know. We don't know. So, yes, having those conversations, I think if they're done in a respectful way, they're only going to benefit society. Yeah, I would think so. And, and if, and if you're speaking with, uh, with a minority person and they've had enough of that conversation, then respect that too. You know, sure, because I'm sure course. there's times where, yes, you know, there's, there's especially a- if drinks involved, like, ah, <laughs> let me tell you, you know, look you at this son of a bitch. It's the last thing I want to talk about. Right. So, Agreed. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, and I'm sure it took me a long time to realize all that, Tristan. I'm sure I didn't, uh, you know, when I was a 25 year old kid, I didn't have that kind of recognition, introspection, but I, I, I mean, to me, that's all, that's all you can do. You know, you're just trying um, to be better. And I, I think as long as you can you can do say you're doing that i mean that's that's the marquee of a, a human being you're trying to grow and be a better version of yourself tomorrow than you were today yeah now, one thing uh, let me switch this up because i really wanted to, to touch on this um and i know we're getting a smidgen short on time here but uh so it came out that the fox news anchors oh man were full of shit they all knew that the trump's rigged election narrative was false and yet they kind of went along because they knew where they worked and they kind of went with the status quo as opposed to saying, okay, that is bullshit. It's now, this, this came out in the Georgia. Was it the Georgia? Yeah. Yeah. Dominion. The, yeah, the, the Dominion voting. Dominion. Yes. And to Dominion's credit, uh, perhaps not if you're a Fox News viewer, but they were offered a settlement and Dominion said, no, it's really not about the money. Cliche as that may sound, we, right. we feel as though we've got something we want to prove here. So they've gone forward. Uh, refused the settlement and thereby uh, put under oath Carlson and Hannity and others, and they've and they had uh, uh, emails and such of them saying text messages and text messages. We know these people are full of shit, but you know it's going well for ratings. You know we don't want the stock to drop. Yeah, that, that was literally a Hannity quote, right? Like a girl yeah. was fact checking. Maybe it was Giuliani or somebody, and uh, and Carl or uh, Hannity was saying, "What the fuck is she doing? She's going to kill the network by right. she's you know." And man, that how as a Fox News Republican, how do you go on? Like, how can it's it's wrestling at this point? It's WWE wrestling, and it's scripted, and it's bullshit, and they're always going to be for their side. I, I don't know that that blows my mind, and I would lose 
a ton of respect for somebody. You probably don't know who that picture is, but it's Edward R. Murrow. He of was course. The great. Okay. Yeah, I didn't recognize him that young, but yeah. Yes, so, so here was a quote from him, and I think this was taken in World War II, to be persuasive, and I guess he's preaching to his brethren, and it's talking about the media. To be persuasive, we must be believable. To be believable, we must be credible. To be credible, we must be truthful. Not the Fox News slogan. Right. <laughs> Man. But again, don't you and want... And it's not the pick on Fox. MSNBC pushes the line, too. Now, But okay. again, so but back that's to... a false equivalency, too. Like, let's wait until it comes out that they're saying a bunch of shit about Obama that they knew was bullshit. Because well, to me, true. this is something that the Republicans and Fox and QAnon and all this bullshit, this is not exclusively Republican, but man, they're really starting to patent it. And I don't, and I don't really want to argue because I agree with you on that, but I would say back to Dilbert, uh, our buddy... Um, not Ben Stein, who's the Ben Shapiro. Oh, yeah. That, you know, 25 and 30 year old lefties just despise this kid. Yeah, I, I'm hate. not a big fan. He's a swarmy kind of he, yeah. privileged he, he, jack leg, but he's a bright right. kid. He's it's fair. Certainly entitled, First yep. Amendment. Of course. But he made the point that if uh, Scott Adams, Scott, I believe, Dilbert's creator, sounds right, uh, had switched the words black and white, he'd get an editorial in the New York Times and invited to Joy Reid's program. Because that's what Joy Reid spends her entire life doing, is talking about how white people treat black people like shit. And um, there's some truth in that. Well, I think as a culture and as a, you know, a Democratic Party, one of the things we have to be the most careful about is saying, look, we do recognize that there was a lot of things wrong with our past. Now, that doesn't mean all white people were bad in the past. You, you don't have civil rights without white people standing up to fight with our black friends. Very true. So, I mean, you can't just put this blanket over white people, just like it's not good to stereotype anybody. So, to me, it's, it's just a matter of we don't have to overcompensate to, to, to understand that there were a lot of foul things in the past. Like, we don't have to say, all right, let's all gang up with this white guild and talk about how shitty white people are for the rest of our lives. Look, we're okay. We're just humans trying to make it. Now, are there some assholes? Yes. We've got some really big assholes amongst us. So, but everybody kind of okay, does. So, so you think then that's a bit of the fear of the folks who um, want to see CRT reined in is that, for young impressionable minds they can walk away thinking wow white people's tr white people's white people are truly the devil man they are just uh, out to get us and that that message comes across when in fact you could teach history with a look towards the white people that helped the freedom riders the white people that marched with martin luther king yeah a lot of priests a lot of rabbis you know sure. often, often people with clergy but but other citizens as well right and, and that's a great point and and so and it's not that them? we want to take the credit for you know of course we're not saying that but again it's no it's no, just but stupid to stereotype is like white people were bad in the past or whatever yes there was that but there was good white people always fighting you know for that next step for folks that didn't look like us so yeah, i just right. think it's important to remember that again with equality comes the ability to look and judge people See, individually as opposed to based on race that's where you need somebody like cornell west or uh uh, Jelani Cobb to come on and, and talk because oh, they're be both brilliant men and I would love their take on that. You know, where do you where do you fit the quote unquote good white people in throughout history? Can is there a way to because you just said something that's a that's really germane, which is you don't want them to hijack each movement. You know, uh, Frederick Douglass suffered a lot. It wasn't because white friends propped him up. He was willing to you know, but there are white people who would say you know. Blacks never accomplish anything without our help. Well, and, that, so. and that's certainly not the point. I think the, the point is that, you know, I think people have to come together for, for real improvement. And yeah, I for think growth. that's yeah. right. So I, I just think it's very important to, well, we want to teach the past and we want to teach about slavery at a certain age and, and all these things. We do have to be careful to not demonize and villainize. So you've got third graders screaming at the white kid in class, what a dickhead because your parents, whatever, whatever. You know, it's funny, Tristan, we could, um, we could put it into a context of sports, which we each love and understand. And I will give myself a, a little bit of credit. There's, there's Ray breaking his arm, patting himself on his back. I realized at a young age, when I say a young age, I'm not talking eight, but I'm going to say by the time I was 20, um, and, and because largely I lived with a father who, again, was he a racist? Yeah, I think largely a lot of white people have that bone. Was he a hater? No, he wasn't a hater, but he was of a generation. And the end zone celebrations used to bug him. 
Yeah. Because when Don Maynard caught a pass in the 60s or Raymond Berry, they handed the ball to the ref and they went off, right? Um, and now comes the 70s and it's largely African-American receivers. They go and they catch a ball and they're dancing and jumping and spiking the ball. And I remember saying, uh, yeah, but if you're a people who've been oppressed for 300 years and sports is an avenue to, to, to succeed, there's going to be a bit of look at me. I sure. totally understood that. It's like they're, this is a place where they've been allowed to succeed, um, or not allowed, but they have succeeded because, you know, whatever reasons, uh, uh, largely probably a lot of it economic, right? And, um, and, and now it's look at me. And, you, and yes, I'm going to be in your face because I do want you. You kept me under your thumb so long. Now I'm your equal and I'm going to, okay, I get that. The celebrations were. So I guess that kind of goes back to at its core, everything is political. That's sort of a political statement I'm making in a certain way. But I Very kind Muhammad of Ali-ish. always got that. Yeah, to well, the I, think, I think Ali, right. I think a lot of it can be traced back to Muhammad and that brashness. And Yeah. Yeah. But well, he was going to let you know he was in the room. Yeah. Well, and again, I, you know. I, and boy, there were some white people that did not no, like that. You know, still, man. My I, dad included. I, I know people to this day that, you know, I'm not a big fan of Muhammad Ali. Sure. And, no, that know, was my we'll father. Only call him Cassius Clay or by the, whatever. Right, right. By the end, I'm going to call him Clay. Is Mama called him Clay? I'm going to call him Clay. <laughs> but my dad, by the end of his life, had come around and realized that uh, he was a pretty remarkable individual. But no, 100% Tristan. The animosity that was slung at that man. And God bless him. He he just went on with his middle finger up and saying, hey, I'm here and you got to deal with me. Well, and even, you know, if you want to switch that to sexism, to me, if Nancy Pelosi is Jeb Bush, which obviously doesn't work for several reasons, but if Nancy Pelosi is Jeb Bush, she doesn't take a quarter of the hate that people distributed to her during her time as Speaker yeah. of the House. Like, there are some yeah, biases sure. and people, and again, you know, to take that to the other side, and man, I'm not a fan of Marjorie Taylor Greene, but if she was a guy, she probably would take less shit. Probably. So, Probably. and even though it's, she would still take shit because she says some outlandishly horrible stuff, but it would probably be substantially less. Yeah. So, and then AOC on our side. Same so thing. So, what are we saying? It's good to be a white guy? It's fucking great. And quit whining about it. <laughs> Fuck. It's fine. Well, We're all fine to be whoever that, we are. That is something that I've said for a long time. This fucking notion that I'm, my white skin is keeping me back. F you. You know, I mean, come on, really? Yeah. I'll take my chances as a middle-class white guy. Yeah, I think that's okay. In America. Now, right. if you're living in a place in Nigeria where the power structure is all black, yeah, maybe. There sure. might be racism toward white people. Then but you in can America, talk about it there. No. no, and I think, you know, and luckily... America is moving towards a place where I think every day it's better for no matter what you look like. So I'm proud of that. But yeah, I think the white grievance and this, my life's shitty because of reverse racism. Give me a break. Jesus. Yeah. That's a hard one to, that's a hard one to fathom. Yeah. Hey, what I do with my book of jokes? Sad man. note, man. Uh, oh, we got to talk about your neighbor. Saturday was a funeral. Oh, God, man. Yeah. So if you've listened to the last maybe couple shows, we talked about... Uh, my neighbor who was kind of going through it and ended up in a bad four-wheeler wreck. Might as well retell the story briefly. Oh, yeah. So quickly, um, man, my neighbor had a dog that was um, that got lost, basically got loose uh, from, from the yard and was gone and was telling me about it. And I said, man, let me – there's a neighborhood uh, Facebook that we have. And I said, let me post this on Facebook. Man, I'll try to help you find the dog now. The backstory of that is the dog had bit me once, and so I wasn't a big fan of the dog. But of course, I love my neighbor, and as an animal lover, you know, wanted the guy to find the dog. Plus, didn't want the dog to be loose running around. If he was close by, he might have bit right, somebody right, else. Right. So, but again, you know, so I put it on Facebook, and somebody replies immediately with the dog had had, had been run over, kind of on the backside of our subdivision. And so I got to be the bearer of bad news, tell my buddy that. And, I mean, he just really, really, really was attached to this dog. And um, so was just spent a, several days and maybe week, week and a half, like, really in dire straits. And I would see him almost every day because I kind of walked the neighborhood and, um, you know, was just really, really upset about the dog and sort of started getting the vibe that maybe he thought that maybe I had something to do with it, A, because I was the bearer of bad news, and B, because the dog had bit me. But obviously, you know, I didn't know anything until the lady had emailed. So anyway, I told him he was upset. And, uh, you know, we, he, he had finally told me, like, the day that uh, he was in his four-wheeler wreck, like, hey, man, I just really appreciate your help. And, you know, 
sucks about everything but you know i'm glad you found out and told me and all that so i think we'd we'd really made amends before but uh yeah went for a four-wheeler ride was uh had, had some kind of bad wreck you know unconscious i guess before he hit the ground one of the neighbors performed cpr kept him alive he had like a week week and a half in um in the hospital in lexington and you know they pronounced him dead about a week ago and funeral saturday this past Saturday. This past, yeah. So as we just a, speak, tragedy, a couple of days man. ago. Oh man, fifty-five years doing? old. Better than I would probably be, or most of us probably would be. Which you know, she had a week to say her goodbyes and kind of get used right. to it in private. Uh, yeah. So you know, by the time well, I'm truly sorry to hear that. That that's just an awful story. Oh yeah, sucked. So yeah. I did want to update everybody because yeah, know, because he passed. Followed me along with that story now for a couple of weeks. That's but, right. But he said, I think I told the story originally before the wreck. Uh, started with the, oh, you yeah, know, I was just absolutely. concerned about the dog. Uh, oh, and yeah, no, him thinking that probably I had two weeks before, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah man, just what a real insane turn of events and yeah. very well, sad. Uh, yeah, and, and keeping it sad, uh, Jimmy Carter, who by the time you listen to this may have passed, but has went into hospice. Yes. So, and and you know, maybe once that happens, we can talk a little bit more about him. But man, there's somebody politics aside that you know anybody ought to look up to. Oh, I mean, 100%. what a what a life. A hundred percent. Yeah. What a life. Yeah, 98 now, and yeah, incredible. So now and time think, for comedy. <laughs> I think always gracious. Always, yeah. uh, you know, talk about passing the neighbor test. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah very cool. Yeah, human very, human very being. Cool. Trying to make the world a better place. Are we doing comedy? Yeah. You know what? I think if nothing else, we can segue from the saddest stories into the comedy. I think that's ideal. I actually love this, Driz, and taken from dad jokes. Yeah. A friend of mine has fallen in love with a girl in South Korea. She may be his soulmate. Oh, spelled S-E-O. Nice. That's beautiful. Pretty good. <laughs> I'm going to end with that one. We don't need any more. That's a killer. I'm done. I'm, not, I'm saving my stuff for next week. So that's pretty good. <laughs> brought to you by Daniel, Bad, right? Daniel Bad Wolf, if you like. Yeah. Oh, is that brought to us by our, our good friend Aaron, who we haven't seen in a while? we got to get him on the show, even yeah, though he's like, not listening anymore. I would like to get him on the show. Yeah, so we, we could talk bad about him and then... Bring and you know and what's funny, and, and one of the things you mentioned, and I give Aaron credit on this because I do try to be respectful, um, is that sometimes your, not of mine, uh, language is a little rough, and so you didn't want to listen. And we probably wouldn't drop one F-bomb with Aaron in here. No, I'd say you're right. Just out of you know respect sure. for him. So why do we do it? Is it they, they say <laughs> they say um, obscenities and cursing is the purview of small minds. It is, and I don't disagree with that because <laughs> I, I, I know all, I know where I stand. But and there's just something nice about feeling free enough to just say fuck. Well, you know, um, it probably is fair to revisit this story. So we're in golly, Trizen, seventy ish episodes now. Yeah, kudos to us. We we haven't really you know blown up. We haven't gone viral. But like you say, it's kind of like a counseling session. I look forward to it every week. I hope there's a few listeners who enjoy what we do. Whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> but um, my brother had listened to, you know the story, but for sure. anybody who's new to the show, he'd listened to, you know, my brother's my best friend, even though we're 700 miles apart. And he'd listened to like, you know, several shows, maybe half a dozen. And he's like, why don't you guys swear? And I'm like, well, and I thought a little bit of, might've been our friend Troy, who, who, you know, we were just getting to meet him. He seemed like he was a very wholesome individual, sure. which I think he is. And we just kind of kept it pure, if you will. And Tommy was like, that kind of seems manufactured. Like, you, you guys have good conversations, but if we're hanging out in the backyard having a beer talking, you're talking like guys. Yeah. And I told that to Triz, and Triz is like, I'm in. I good enough it. for me. Well, this is my Fuck thing, Fuck yeah, right? he's right. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I, I thought about this the other day, man. Like, my day job... <laughs> I literally have to spend being nice to everybody. I'm in sales. So, like, right. I'm the best version of myself all day right, long. Right. Yes, sir. No, sir. Right. N yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Right, right. Like, <clears throat> somebody's like, oh, this ad didn't run. Well, I sure am sorry. Right. Like, you know, and that's the nature of my job. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I'm the Chick-fil-A of local media. <laughs> right. And then, like, I come home and my wife's in a bad mood and, <laughs> like, well, I sure am sorry. You know, and I'm, I'm trying to tuck it in. But here I can just say, ah, oh, those motherfuckers. <laughs> like, it is nice to sometimes just have that outlet yeah. because you know in college or whatever when you're just constantly hanging out with your guy friends you do get to have those types of conversations and just let it out so to be able to cuss it is kind of I'll, freeing I'll, I'll end with this my deceased brother-in-law vince was a carpenter by trade and he told this story and 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 i apologize because this word offends a lot of people uh, uh, lucas will never use it 
they were working with this preacher in Jersey. You typically you're working with preachers in Kentucky, but they were in Jersey, and this preacher was helping them out part time on this job. They're hammering. He hit his thumb with the hammer, and there are a few things that hurt worse than hitting your thumb with a hammer. Oh God, yeah. And he's shaking his hand, and he's going, "Darn, darn, darn, God damn it!" He says, "He says the darns just weren't working." So there you go. You know, there you go. The Dorns just, you know, my apologies, Lord, but the Dorns just weren't working. Oh, my God. It is. There is and I'm sure that was a true story. There's something freeing about just letting it out sometimes. I exactly. Mean, for me, it's exactly. very soul cleansing. Like, I could do three weeks of like, yes, sir, no, sir. If I, one of these shows and just cuss 10 times, I well, feel good. I, I mean, I grew up never swearing in front of really? my folks. Oh, yeah. yeah I, no, I swore no when you were out of the house, which tells you you can moderate it. Sure. when you were with your buddies, your language was very blue, as they yeah. say, colorful. But I never swore. Now, Dad would swear occasionally, but not a lot. But I'm sure when he was with his bowling buddies, oh, you know. Yeah. And then as I got older and, and, you know, Mom was gone when I was 19, but Dad lived till I was in my 40s. And, yeah, my language was, I'd say anything around him, but, uh, you know, within reason. But, yeah, no, I never swore as a kid growing up in the house because I would have been admonished for it. And, okay, I can do that. Yeah. I think Mom kind of treated me like an adult from the time I was six. Yeah, I've so heard you say it was kind of, yeah. yeah, I can just say whatever. Yeah. But, but to, again, like I knew not to go to school and say this right. stuff. Or right. you know how to moderate yourself. Yeah. So, hey, teacher, yeah. how the fuck are you? <laughs> What's what? up, bitch? Yeah. You know, <laughs> what are you going to do? So, all yeah. right. So, uh, let's I'm see. Done. My I, part I, is done. All right. So, yeah, thanks to our buddies at Front Porch Studios, Troy, Berea Pond, BuckshotandLead.com. Uh, Stove Leg Media, uh, the Rational Boomer Podcast, and I've got some actual reviews for us here that I just grabbed nice. before I, I walked these. out of the house. So these are some these. actual reviews. That and where I, do you pull these off? Uh, they use Spotify or Apple. And okay. we'd appreciate it if you're listening. The best way you can help us out, leave an actual review for us, and then we'll, we'll read it on the show. And you only do what? The five stars? You know what? I, I last I think this time I just grabbed the top five. Okay, just, cool. The, just cool, the top cool. ones. Oh, so this could be anything. Yeah, it could be anything. Oh, boy. So uh, let's see. I guess this is from last week where we, we did have some microphone issues. It says, it feels more natural when you guys have microphone issues so the sound quality matches the content. <laughs> oh, okay. It's people. Yeah. They suck. Friendly. Uh, let's see. You sound like the type of guys who bash Republicans and then as soon as you're off air start making fun of trans people. Hmm. I don't feel like Did we leave people. the microphones on one day? <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's not us. Uh, let's see. Oh, this one sent in from Harvard alum 2004. Mm. Interesting. Uh, his comment, you guys are dumb. Ah, those Ivy Leaguers. <sighs> but you'd think his F vocabulary F would have been stronger there. Ah, true. Let's see. You guys should try miming the show. Hmm. <laughs> Not a fan of our Who is voices. that from? Uh, that is from, let's see, at dogface36 at Hotmail. Miming the podcast. Yeah, you should try miming that. <laughs> nice. I okay. Like and the last one, uh, this podcast is like when you brush your teeth and then take a drink of orange juice, mm. then realize the orange juice was cologne. Hmm. <laughs> All right. We do appreciate them, though. They're yeah, good they, they are appreciated. They are good reviews. Thanks hey, you want some uh, seasoned seaweed before we leave? I'll tell you what. I think I'd rather us do the podcast naked than have another bite of that awful seaweed. <laughs> well, our windows here are pretty well covered up. <laughs> All right, brother. That was fun. Hey, take uh, care, Ray. And thanks to our listener. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Todd. We appreciate you. <laughs> Mark. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Tristan and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week. Tristan here with the Extreme Common Sense Podcast, thanking our friends at Berea Pond. We could not do the podcast without the generous support from Aaron and Robin at Berea Pond. And also, my house wouldn't have nearly as much cool stuff without all the items at Berea Pond. So when you're ready for your next furniture, gun, ammo, pallet, they have so much cool stuff, you're not ever going to regret going to Berea Pond. That's Berea Pond at 107 Clay Drive in the old IGA building across from near New Auto Center. Don't miss out. If you're from the area, you got to get into Berea Pond. Hello. According to our research, you like podcasts. Well, if you have a passion, mission, or story, you should have your own podcast. 
and I have a resource you might be interested in. Go to frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. You'll see how Front Porch Studios can help you enter the world of podcasting. Again, that's frontporchstudios.com slash products and services. Thank you for your time. Goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.